This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. Welcome to Modern Geek Podcast number 39, recorded April 8th, 2012. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Chuck, by the way. And I'm Juan. Yes. And yep. uh, I'm not going to record that. And we're not that. on it. <laughs> I'm not going to re-record that because I just Let's don't Let's just keep feel. rolling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. You know, whatever. Every now and then it's Sunday and you're tired. <laughs> you, you, you try to get out of your rut. You try to do a different ent- opening and it just, it kind of blows up in your face. But you move on. You, wah, wah, you learn wah. from the experience and, and you try to continue living. <laughs> I'll, I'll live. It'll, it'll well, be okay. Good. Yeah. You got to k- keep a positive outcome. <laughs> Outlook. Yes, whatever, I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Whatever. <laughs> Uh, you know what? What? Tech is awesome. Well, yes, it is. I agree. Uh, just every, every time I, I know I was talking about this last week, but every time the power goes out, I, I, I don't really know what to do with myself because <laughs> I'm just so plugged into everything. Oh, you're not kidding. And it's like, well, I guess I'll read. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's hope that the Kindle's charged. <laughs> exactly. Otherwise, I'm boned again. Yeah, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. But hey, it's good stuff. I'm glad to be this connected. Oh yeah. Well, you know, if if Google has their way, we're going to be even more connected in the, in the future. Uh, Did you, yes. You see this Google? What is it? Google goggles? Google glasses? Something like Google that? Google glasses. Yeah, I saw this. Huh. Yeah. It's uh. Well, okay. A couple of things. Number one. Um, it's one of those. It strikes me as one of those things. Very easy to make fun of. Very easy to parody. You know, when the video came out, there are already some awesome parodies kicking around. You know, about the fun, fun crap that uh, the Google information Google could provide about your environment. Yeah, I saw the the guy watching the heads up display of like, uh, you know, it's like his friend texts him and he, he texts back. He, he accidentally texts back something like, "Oh, what is that?" Um, you know, s call calling me for now, and you know he, he texts it, it texts it back, and he, then he walks into a pole. <laughs> well, you know, I I don't know. I the the these are basically what VR goggles, right? Yeah, you know, here's the thing though. Everybody likes to. Uh, this strikes me as one of those things that everyone would make fun of right until they're available, and then they'll buy them. See, okay. I, Oh, and, that, and I guess that's really the, the question that I have more than anything. I mean, yeah, it's it's fun to make fun of these, and it's 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 fun to theorize about what this would do. But really, how like wh- when is this r- really going to be feasible to come out? Like, unless you're wearing like a a little you know PDA strap to it, you know, like blue, like you know, connected. This will be a, yeah, this will be an awesome Bluetooth application. Right, as just purely a display, like this would yeah. be driven, like say, off an Android device or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I still don't think you know eyes do not focus that way. I, I, I can't see this this actually working. I think it can work technically, and I think it can work socially too. I mean, obviously, 
the idea of it ubiquitously like spewing crap about everything you see is not cool. You know, that's not really what you need. But on the other hand, the idea of, say, it connecting to your phone and being able to do something like, you know, very small in the bottom left hand of your view, showing you uh, the incoming number of a call that rings, you know, things like that. Very useful and would be really nice. Right. I, I, I like the one commenter who said, well, I guess anybody who already wears glasses is out of luck. No, I, I think you would probably have the ability to uh, to build frames that would handle them, you know? In okay. fact, I think, if anything, we'd be in luck because we're well, already that would be the more to, Yeah, that would be the more apt solution than the little screen that hangs down on the one eye, right? Well, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what they're talking about. And I honestly, I have, uh, you know, for us, we already wear glasses. So it's, you know, it, you'd just be enabling something we're already using. See, that, that's true. Like, I don't know if I'd wear glasses just to have that display, but since I already have to, what the hell, you know, I might as well have something cool to go with them, right? <laughs> that, see, that that would be kind of cool. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of ifs. Like, I mean, there, there are. A lo- yeah, I guess that's what it is, is that, you know, it's there's a lot of ifs that like, will the technology come along that can do the uh, the eyeball analysis enough to know what it is that you're focusing on and then and then drop oh, yeah, the no, they've already- in the right perspective? And then make it cheap enough to actually, and small enough to build into a pair of frames the way that they're describing, right? Yeah, I think the answer is yes, totally, for that. It's already available for the most part. The uh, uh, the display is a little bit more difficult. Displays that are not uh, that are not screened in front of your eye ver- instead of, you know, the kind that projects onto the glasses or something to where other people can't see it, but you can. That kind of thing. Um, a little bit farther away still, but it's it's doable, just very very expensively right now, right? Yeah, which means it's time for somebody to pick it up, like Google is apparently doing, and start driving it so that we can get them cheap enough that you know I can have one. I, yeah, I, I think this is one of those projects that it's like the 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 Google car that drives itself. It's that you know that it'll it, it's a great idea. But don't expect it to be in consumer products within the next 10 years. I don't know, man. I think this is closer than 10 years. Really? A lot closer than 10 years, yeah. It's not I'd say tomorrow. just for purely for battery technology, it's not there in 10 years. Hmm. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take that. Uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't place that bet, man. Because, you know, the thing yeah. is, there's so much crap driving battery technology right now. I mean... I, I guess those uh, those uh, super capacitors or whatever they are, too, you know, that, that replace batteries. Man, cars and I, cell I phones. Know. Cars and cell phones are enough to convince people if there there are a lot of people putting a lot of money in battery tech right now. I, I, <laughs> I honestly wouldn't, well. I wouldn't make that bet, man. I guess that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get screwed. I mean, let me, let me take the worst bet out of this entire technology rundown and, and go with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah I, I, I kind of retract that. <laughs> I think probably the display is is the biggest issue. But um, you know, I, I like the idea though. What's interesting to me is how this has brought up a lot of kind of you know evaluation of the concept, which is cool because now we we see stuff like this and go, oh, I don't ever be here. Now you're like, you know, you probably do that if you, you wouldn't be in the end of the world to do that. But, but you're kind of like, well, would it, would it be valuable? How would it work? You know? And I, I think like a lot of things, if used correctly, you know, uh, configured correctly for your own desires, I think it could be really awesome. You know, 
I I wouldn't want it popping up all the time. I you know I don't want to live in pop up video. You know. Well, you don't want any Google ads in your Google glasses. <laughs> only only if they're really cheap. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but but on the other hand, I you know I do like the idea of of say being able to you know, automatically select some input or to be able to do, uh, um, you know, to display some of the things that I have. Uh, I mean, tell me that you wouldn't appreciate being able to say stream a movie into the, you know, small in your view while you're working or something. Uh, <laughs> could be I don't know. really cool. It, it could be. I, I don't know if I would be able to, I still don't, I still don't understand totally how the focus it. would work, man, on, on that, but, you know, if if the 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 one the one way that that video really fails in in terms of uh, perception is that I mean, for the majority of us, the world doesn't exist um, on a on a flat LCD. I mean, there there's depth to everything, right? And yeah, but there's I, I would say that depth to the to the things you're you're doing anyway. So. In- you know, right, but but either way, you're still having to uh, readjust your focus. It's, it's I, I I pull the same argument the, to the reason why ultimately the 3D movie fad kind of comes and goes is because people get tired of having to you know shift their focus all the time back and forth on on the on the depth. It's it's tiring to watch a 3D movie, and and having to shift your focus back and forth to to this lens. I, I don't know if that could necessarily. Uh, I don't know if that can do it for me. See, I'm not sure you'd have to. I, I think that it, just like with the 3D glasses, you know, the whole point is though you'd be doing the opposite. Like with the 3D glasses, you're trying to uh, to make things seem like they're closer and farther away. Whereas what you'd be doing is using the exact same to- technology to sort of match your display to where your eyes are focused. So, you know, if you were focused far, it would show you something that would appear to be very large and far away, right? If right. You, if it showed you something that if you were focused close, it would show you something close and smaller, essentially resulting in the same portion of your uh, of your view being covered with the item, but your eyes wouldn't have to refocus, you know? And since you're shooting them, you're you're putting the light in in a controlled fashion anyway, there's really no reason you can't do that. So it could be kind of cool, especially if it knows where you're looking and how you're focused anyway. There would be nothing to stop them from, you know, kind of just going with the flow, putting it where you're focused, you know? Yeah. I'd say it's an interesting concept, but I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know if, I mean, you're already getting a lot of stuff out of like even just the basic usage of Siri. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much more you can. (laughs) <laughs> really augment your reality i don't know how much you would really all, want to all the way you can augment all the reality yeah <laughs> you can i mean you can and the funny thing is is that will you use it as heavily as they imagine in the video no will you use it yeah you i think you would <laughs> i want to use google street view while i'm walking down the road <laughs> well actually as long as you could still see it wouldn't be that bad I, I actually think it would be kind of cool. Actually, actually, there's a really interesting. Uh, you could you could set up like in some of these old cities. You could set up a walking tour and have like a street view that shows all the old buildings. So you walk around and you know, That's in one nice. eye you can see the modern world, and in one eye you can see like what it looked like in 1910 or something like that. That'd be badass, wouldn't it? That would be cool. 
There's all then kinds again, of that, that's also very gimmicky, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. There's a lot of practice. Even just the, the most practical part of that whole thing for me was like the, the walking directions. That was pretty damn badass. You, you know, know what will sell me on it? If you put it in a Garrus Vicarian eyepiece from Mass Effect. <laughs> Just, I'll, I'll be on board. Just shape it that way, and I'll be I'll be good to go. Oh, just offer them for sale for less than six hundred bucks, and we'll have one. <laughs> yeah, I'll have it and play with it. You know it couldn't couldn't stay away. You'd try. You'd be like ah, and then you'd buy one <laughs> or two. I had actually gotten a uh, a tweet from somebody in in regards to uh, you know interaction with uh, Windows eight. Oh um, yeah. This is kind of related. They they asked me if I had had a Kindle to try out with, or not a Kindle, not a Kindle, uh, Connect, wrong K, right? Oh yeah, right. Uh, a Connect to try out with Windows eight. And to be honest, I hadn't even considered that. Ooh, you can use um, a Connect with Windows eight. I don't know, but that got me thinking. You know, if if you had a Connect sitting on Windows eight, that interface actually could be potentially pretty interesting. Well, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and that's... On, a, know, lar- on a large monitor or on a TV, yes. having Windows 8 interface, I mean, it already works on the 360. So that was kind of a, oh, right, kind of moment for me. Like, this, 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 this is actually how it could work on a desktop. Interesting. That's something to think about. See, th- this, is why, this is why I love bringing up these topics of discussion it's like you know i don't know how we would use google glasses or how i would use windows 8 but you know somebody's coming up with an idea call us and tell us us what you think about the google glasses i'd be interested i'd be really interested because i can totally see lots of different sides of an argument about that i would love to hear what people have to say yeah, like the awesome use cases, you know, kind of opinions or stupid use cases, wacky use cases. Yes, I want to hear the stupidest use case you can think of. <laughs> wow, I could think of some really bad ones, but I'll leave that alone. We kind of just gave the community a loaded gun, didn't we? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. That's not bad though. I like that. That's a good good way of doing things. Yeah. I love the idea of having ubiquitous access to information, though. That is that is a good thing. I, I say, yeah, I, I, I resist. But, you know, like I resisted getting a smartphone for a long time because I'm like, oh, no, no, I don't need to pay the extra to have data. I'll wait till I get home and check on my, you know, and check on my data then. And then I, and I then get an iPhone and I'm like, OK, now I'm addicted to having data everywhere. Me too. To the point where I unlock my phone and bring it and put it on an AT&T prepaid plan with data so that I can have my data even when I'm in the States. <laughs> Speaking of, they're unlocking some phones soon, right? I heard about this, is that AT&T is finally getting around to, um, for the longest time with their, oh, by the way, and I work for a telecom and my opinions are my own, but uh, uh, AT&T for the longest time had uh, an exclusivity right with... Uh, with Apple, so that right. you couldn't unlock the iPhone. Um, it, it's it's basically a process instead of an unlock code that you would do with any other phone. It, it's a process with Apple where they actually um, update the firmware the next time you plug it into iTunes and and you know like rebuild the carrier profile on on the ah. on the phone. It's not just a code you put in and then it'll take any other SIM. So Apple for the longest time with AT and T was saying no 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 you can't do that. Um, whereas like say Rogers in Canada, you can do that just fine. Um, they're apparently, uh, for iPhones that are not under contract anymore. So like you've had it for more than the time or 
you've either canceled out or you've completed your service, you can call them up and assuming you get to somebody who is aware of the policy, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can request a subsidy unlock code. They'll take your IMEI number, which is the serial number, the network serial number of the phone. And apparently the process takes about three or four days and they'll register it with uh, Apple and uh, then it's SIM unlocked. Now, that doesn't mean like, say, for example, you could take an old 3GS um, iPhone from AT&T and use it on Verizon. Because it's a different kind of network. Because it's a different type of network. But you could use it on, you know, uh, T-Mobile, any of the carriers. Yeah, any of the carrier, AT&T prepaid, any of the carriers that use the, um, the, the SIM card technology like that, like, for example, Rogers and, and uh, Fido in, and, and Telus in, in, in Canada as well, or, you know, basically anybody anywhere else in the world. <laughs> so that, that, uh, that actually is a pretty big policy change. Um, I remember um, at the time I, I, I did work in a AT&T business care unit, and uh, that th- that was the policy: you cannot unlock an iPhone. Period. There's just Ouch. no no way, no process, no appeal process. Just if they have a problem, get them to a manager, right? And that was it. So it, it is actually kind of cool that they're uh, that they're you know. They, they don't have anything. They don't have any more money to make off of these phones if, once they're out of contract. So <laughs> it is nice that, that you can uh, then take them elsewhere. Seems like you ought to be able to. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get the. I understand, and everybody whines about the, uh, you know, about the contracts. But I get that. I mean, the the phones really do cost a, an asshole more than what we're paying for. So yeah, they they want even even though you have a termination fee, they do want to keep you on board because ultimately they're going to make more money yeah. off of you by keeping you as a customer. Sure. So yeah, you'd think. I mean, I, I get the subsidization. Uh, subsidization. I mean, really, AT and T helped you buy your phone with a, quite a bit of cash up front. You know, so yeah, I see why they want to hang on to it or, or charge you the termination fee. But once you're past that, man, you really ought to be able to unlock them. It just kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, it's one of those common sense answers that you know you know arcane uh, archaic policy had just you know not um agreed with the longest time yeah and now now it has so if you've got like an old 3gs or or something like an old an old iphone kicking around that is just sitting in the box i mean it's worth giving them a call to at least see if they'll do it at this point because it sounds like that's what they're doing so yeah yeah cool yeah yeah, it's Sunday. I know, man. I'm sorry. I'm dragging here. No, that's okay. I think we have one more item, don't we? We have the, the YouTube content thing and oh, yeah. we have feedback. So I have a yeah. lot to say about YouTube. This is, so this is a big deal. Um, uh, a little while back, you know, well, first of all, picture yourself as, as Google slash YouTube, you know. And right now you have this huge network, this huge video delivery system that actually works. I mean, it really does work. No kidding. You can watch video very comfortably on YouTube on your, you know, on damn near anything these days on your everything from your Xbox or your uh, or your Apple TV to your computer to your uh, smartphones, you know? Yep. And they're but they're sitting here saying our biggest problem is actually, well, it's printed right at the top of the screen when you when you log into when you visit YouTube, 
It says, YouTube, broadcast yourself, which is exactly what people are doing. They're broadcasting themselves or their cat or, you know, there's like hours and hours of of look at the cute animal or, you, you know, people nutting themselves on things. And when it comes down to it, that's just not really the same kind of quality content that you expect to find on, say, you know, NBC, ABC, CBS, you know? Well, it depends on the show, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And 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 um, don't get me wrong; it's fun to watch cute kitty videos and people nutting themselves. I mean, I think that's kind of fun too. But you know, you really, in the end of the day, you want more than that as well. In addition to that, you would like to see real, I think, programming that has some content to it. You know? Yep. So they thought, you know, we've got this distribution system, and there are people, there are people out there who are you know, lesser than, say, the main networks, but still quite good at producing things, like Felicia Day, for example, uh, with the Guild and some of the... Obviously, she has the capability of producing quality stuff at a much lower price point than, you know, you would have to spend to get that same kind of... Or even, you know, similar content from a a network. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, um, I guess... Well, okay, so YouTube looks at it and says, what if we just seed some of this? What if we just take some cash and put some serious cash in the hands of these people? And we're talking uh, we're talking multi-hundred thousand dollar grants. Right. To say, look, here's two, three hundred grand. Now make me a, you know, a, a, a year's worth or a season's worth of programming. And, you know, it's literally worth throwing away for them because they already have an advertising system that will monetize this stuff. We have dump trucks full of cash. Let's spill just a little bit out the back. (laughs) A tiny bit. Yeah. A couple little drops of cash. Yeah. uh, That that, you know, will might might kind of kickstart the whole thing. So so they did that. And and two of the big ones, of course, were uh, Felicia Day with a channel that she created called Geek and Sundry. And uh, Nerdist with his Nerdist channel. Right. And each of them took a fairly large grant and went off and kind of uh, adjusted the type of thing they were already doing to, you know, kind of ramp it up a little bit. And I think certainly uh, they're both kind of interesting. Uh, They both are generating some regular, uh, regularly scheduled content. Uh, right. Felicia Day definitely, like, I think the more prepped of the two. Well, I mean, she has spent the last five yes. years <laughs> building this from the ground up with, like, a handheld camcorder, for, you know, back it, when we were calling them camcorders. <laughs> she, Yeah, she's she's kind of come at this from, from every direction already, yeah. uh, and it aligns with her skills pretty perfectly. So Geek and Sundry, not surprisingly, is really good looking, you know? Uh, yeah. The first show that came out, Tabletop, which uh, features Will Wheaton, uh, where if you've, you haven't seen Tabletop yet, imagine imagine it as being essentially, you know, those poker shows where people would, uh, you watch people play poker and they have cameras on the table and they do little explanations of what's going on and all that stuff. Yep. It's that sort of thing, except instead of poker, it's like, you know, game of the week. And it's the kind of tabletop games that you actually play. Like uh, this upcoming week, they're supposed to do Settlers of Catan, which, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. I can't wait to see that. The first one was, I think, called, what was it? Small World? Small World, yes, yeah. which which is a brilliant game. Yeah, it uh, looks like, cool, doesn't it? What, that, that's the thing is that I, what 
you, you, you think about it. It's like, okay, they're going to film a board game, really? But, you know, you, and, it, and, and it starts out as kind of like very straightforward, like, hi, I'm Will Wheaton, and let me show you how this game is played. And, you know, it's, it's, it's got kind of a very formulaic uh, uh, start to it. But then when you get into actually watching, you know, personalities play this game, um, I believe the, one of the people on the first episode was Grant Imahara from Mythbusters. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you, you get, you, get uh, you know, multiple cameras with, uh, you know, like reaction shots to awesome, mo- uh, like awesome moves on the board. And, and you know, all, all of this kind of interplay that's going on between the people as they're playing. And it actually becomes very compelling. <laughs> I, I watched the, the half hour program straight through. You're like, and wow. was just craving more. It's like, no, no, let's let's get another episode here. This is this is no, actually really brilliant. It comes out every two weeks, and I was totally disappointed when Friday rolled around and it didn't show up. I was like, because this was the off week, you know, and I was like, oh man, right. I wish there was more. I I get where they're coming from, and I like I like the way uh, the biggest one of the biggest differences that I noticed between what she was doing and uh, it looks like it looks like the Nerdist channel is approaching it more like YouTube. Plus, whereas right. Geek and Sundry is coming at it very much sort sort of from a standpoint of broadcast TV show minus, you know, like yeah. like it's not quite as finished out as you'd expect from something that would be on broadcast TV, but it's really close. It uh, is really close, and actually the. The the only thing that really felt out of place was the fact that it was actually a half hour and not like cutting to commercial every three three minutes. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you know exactly, and 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 it feels a little bit different in production wise, not as much technical production, but you know you can kind of feel that uh, that that the people involved are are not quite the same as as the kind you get. But that's not a bad thing, I think. I, I I would watch that program on network TV. I'm very happy to see it. I'm glad it's not on network TV. I would love to see, like, I don't know, 50 more programs like that. You know? Yeah, and, and as well, for the first of these content and for a pilot of it, it was really strong. Yes, I agree. I mean, it, it's it like th- this is the first one we're doing, and this is the pilot of said program. And it, it, it felt really, I mean, there are a lot of really terrible pilots out there. I mean, yes. And, and th- this, this felt like really close to, to what it's, it felt like the, what they were, what, what they were aiming at here. Um, the Nerdist stuff is much shorter. And in fact, he's kind of said, I see this more as, you know, I don't think we should have to have any particular length. So we're going to do shorter stuff and longer stuff and so on. And I'm glad about that, and I will watch some of it. But I have to admit, I, I really think that the Geek and Sundry direction is spot on for where I hope this type of thing goes. And what I'm really hoping happens is that she makes a, a good chunk of change off of, of doing this, and everybody involved does, because I would love to see them prove this model. Uh, right. That, b- between the two, um, yeah, Geek and Sundry definitely has has the idea of, you know, you you don't necessarily need to be on a on a TV station to to produce uh, TV level programming. Yeah, and and what I, I two things that I'm like I said I'm really hopeful. One is that um, 
is that it proves this model and and she makes money on this to the point where someone without the grant would be willing to invest with some reasonable expectation of return if their program did well. And and if that's the case, I mean, there's always the risk that your program sucks, right? Or that people don't aren't interested <laughs> in it. But yeah. but they're used to that. They know how to deal with that. What they don't know how to deal with is, can I make any money in this medium? And and if, if it removes some of the question from that, then that opens the door to the second part, which is I would love to see a whole lot more stuff targeted at smaller groups like this. Not everybody is a tabletop gamer or is into it, though I have to admit, I think that program was done so damn well that I think whether you give a damn about tabletop gaming or not, it's entertaining the same way you may watch poker when you really don't care that much about poker well, because it's I, entertaining. <laughs> I mean, geez, I can appreciate a tabletop game, but I'm nowhere. I'm not a tabletop gamer. Yeah, me neither. I mean. I've played I, I, them, but I've played Risk like 15 years ago. <laughs> I've played I a mean, lot of tabletop games. Actually, I've done quite a bit of that because we had some friends that used to do game nights regularly and everything. But but even then, I don't really consider myself a tabletop gamer, heavy right. tabletop gamer. You know, um, but but the show is like you said, it's so compelling. I think it's so well done. I I'm not sure you have to really give a damn about tabletop gaming. I just would love to see a lot more programs like that that target, you know, more niche stuff. And, well, and I, th- I, think I think this is how it could happen. Yeah. And I think what you said uh, earlier makes makes a lot of sense is that it, uh, for, for this to gain ground, you really need to also start uh, doing the niche markets that are not just from a geek base, um, like stereotypical geek base. Like if, if, if they can get a couple other creative talents on board that are, say, doing a very very specialized sure. i don't know for for some some specific sport and you know um you know basically start to get you know various genres of programming online created online for online in this model this is how tv evolves away from broadcast yeah Cord cutting is is really on the rise, and I, I, I had an article that I didn't pop in today for this, but I, I saw an article that indicated that it's like more than tripled in the last year, and and it's it's definitely uh, headed that way. If this this sort of thing could accelerate that quite a bit, if if imagine a future, say a couple of years from now, where YouTube is stocked chalk to the gills with programs like that of the quality of tabletop, but. Uh, you know, but uh, with different subject matter, right? Oh, go ahead. No, go. That's fine. And consumable. I was say, and this is know. exactly why they redid that front page. I mean, a yes. few months back yes. when we were talking about this, and we didn't get. And it, we're like, like what? you know, what? Why do you want to? I mean, I can subscribe via, you know, whatever, right? And and why why do we need this front page? This is exactly why. Because if you have say fifteen different content creators all doing this type of programming, yeah. and you can subscribe to like various sitcoms and uh, reality programs and and you know these kind of uh, you know uh, I guess this is what would the, what what type of program would this be a sports Technically program? It's reality. I mean, oh, it's reality, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this kind of programming if you can aggregate that all it's like you know you're you're subscribed to you know the geek and sundry and nbc and you know if you have all of this stuff on this on this front page and it's all in in the same area and then you start to get stuff like google tv producing a front end to to deal with that then then you can really start to to gain some traction here on not necessarily having this stuff broadcast at a certain time it's released at a certain time at a certain date but you know it 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 starts to to drift away from having to 
to watch non-live programming. Hell yes. Right? Hell yes. You know, that's the evolution from sit and watch it at a certain time to DVR it and watch it at a certain time to screw that, just put it available and let you watch it when you watch it, you know? Yeah, that, that was like that conversation that you and I had. It's like, yeah. you know, hey, couldn't they let you like record the program, but they do record it in the cloud and then they stream it to you live when you want it? It's like, isn't that on demand? It's like, oh, right. <laughs> it is actually. And why don't they just do that? You know? Yeah. Why don't they just? This is a way of doing that. And if and I, I really want to see this grow. I, Me I, too. I, I mean, tabletop is just the start. I want to see. I mean, I, I think I from subscribe the to Nerdist both. perspective, I, I did too. Um, I, from the Nerdist perspective, I think it's probably an outlet to what they were already doing. It is. Uh, and they say that it's going to be more, um, but but I definitely, I, I think they're maybe a couple of steps behind Felicia Day, which is not exactly a bad place to be. Um, being a couple of, I wish somebody would say that about me. Hey, you know what? You're a couple of steps behind Felicia Day. I'd be like, wow, thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think on the other hand, who knows? We haven't really seen them kind of fully ramp up yet. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to keep watching this and see see I, what, what what comes out. I definitely think that Tabletop is 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 a great show. I, I wish I could watch. I wish the Settlers of Catan episode was out already so I could go watch it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think when they when they originally came, whoever at YouTube came up with this idea, I'm thinking tabletop is exactly what they thought. I think so too. That's probably they were like, oh yeah, you know that's that's going to make them happy. They spent this cash one way or the other, and if if it spawns more like it, be they on Geek and Sundry else, elsewhere, then we're the winners. Uh, there was one thing that we needed to bring up about this because uh, it's it's kind of for all that work they did in making that cool homepage, which does work really well with this sort of thing. The one thing that they didn't manage to do was allow you to easily subscribe to a program instead of an entire channel. Yeah, like a specific playlist, um, which eventually is going to have to happen because I yeah. mean, there's no reason I, for you to watch it, everything. And I'm hoping that right now it's just a case of, well, we've really only got one or two of these programs going. So we're bother, just yeah. lagging behind on on the UI, and we're planning something to support it. Yeah. Like, like uh, it, right now, it looks like it's just, you know, well, we gave you a special account that has its own custom page on it, and, you know, it's still all playlists, right? Right. But let's hope that they, they, they ch- you know, add a, like a channel functionality into that that lets you subscribe by channel. Or by uh, program. Like, you know, by program. Define yeah, program is a better. Yeah. And let me say, I want to subscribe to Tabletop. Bang. You know, it shouldn't it matter. Sense. Yeah. It's like, who cares if the account name is Geek and Sundry? It's like, no, I want to subscribe to Tabletop. Um, luckily, thanks to the help of our resident troll uh, default prophet, <laughs> <laughs> we did find a way to do this. Um you can you can use uh we can you can as as I do I use Google Reader to subscribe to specific users on YouTube like, right uh, there's a Minecraft Let's Play that uh, that I that I watch on a regular basis and I subscribe to the user nice but I couldn't figure out how to do that for a playlist uh, it's pretty straightforward actually um, when you go to a specific video you'll see that it's in a playlist right on the on the right side under related media. Right. And if you click on their playlist, you see the playlist show up at the bottom. And in the URL, like for, you know, like youtube.com, blah, 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 you'll see playlist, question mark, list equals PL, and then a bunch of, of hex numbers. Yep. 
what you want to do is you want to take the numbers that are after that PL. Uh, so like for tabletop, that would be the 4F, blah, 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 blah. Right. Six. You take that, copy that, and put that on the end of HTTPS colon slash slash gdata.youtube.com slash feeds slash base slash playlists slash that number. And when you take that URL and put it into Google Reader, you it just a, subscribes yeah. to that playlist. Yeah, you get a feed for the playlist, which is subscribable, which is awesome. Yeah, so I mean, if you play that back a couple times, you can hear what I'm saying. But I'll I'll put it into the uh, I'll put it into the forum uh, thread <laughs> for this forum podcast post yeah. for this one definitely because that's a that's kind of a lot to deal with. But um, but worth the, it. The, the question while uh, DP was showing us how to do this, and Chuck and I were discussing it, is like. Why isn't there a button to just do that? Yeah. There really I mean, this should is all be. Google. There really should just be a sub- sub- subscribe with Google Reader. Yes. Or subscribe to the specific uh, playlist. I mean, either way, it, it would be, I'm, I'm like, again, I'm just hoping that it's a lag behind in the UI and that they'll support this. But for now, this is the only way I've figured out how to subscribe to a specific playlist. And I have since gone through and subscribed to the stuff that I intend to watch from the two of them and uh, have been happily watching, waiting patiently-ish you too. <laughs> for them to put some new content out, damn it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the way that I have my Google Reader set up is I've got a, an entertainment folder and a news folder, right? Nice. So I've got like the, the YouTube video series that I listen or that I watch and I've got, you know, like, say like toolmonger and comics and and stuff that i subscribe to as entertainment and then i can kind of see what's new and like go oh look there's a new uh there's a new entry on rage comics right so i'll click on that and go and check it out but you know it's the the youtube front page is supposed to be doing this and i would hope that they catch that up really quickly yeah in the meantime man that being this is going to be interesting to watch yes yes it is and thank you google i just want to say that right now thank you for spending that cash and spending it with people like this because i think that's a smart move at least for me because i'm i'm loving the content and i do appreciate it i think i think that's a great way to spend your money google this is the first time i've really really started to get excited see the future of Okay, this is actually how we could transition off of that cable. Uh, yeah, model. yeah. I mean, imagine if if she makes enough money to justify this uh, outside of the grant. I can't imagine that those people, like you know, the big networks and everything, that are sitting on you know the ability to produce content like that, like Mad, aren't going to be like you know. <laughs> It's just, the only thing stopping them right now is that the, it's not monetized correctly, or nobody believes that it's monetized correctly. So, I, no, that programming was so good. To be honest, I could have done with a couple commercial breaks in the middle of it. Yeah, and I would have been to. fine with it. I would have been, you know, what this is good enough that I'll be willing to sit through. Well, that's good because you're going to get them because you're going to get the pop up kind from. Google. Oh, that's how I, they work. I still don't like the pop ups. Hey, whatever, man. I don't care. Just, just let me see the content. Yeah. For that kind of programming, go for it. If that's what it takes, I'll watch him. 
I, yeah, it's like, it's not enough to just make this type of content. If you can find a way to properly monetize this. So there'll be a I lot mean, more of it for me. Yeah. I'll watch your damn ads. Go for it. Yeah, I might I mean, even buy some of the Figure out how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I'm not kidding. I will watch Well, you know, ads. if there's anybody who knows how to target ads specifically to you, whether or not you're logged in, it's God, Google. you are not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> At least they're putting it to use, giving me some content I want, which I'm a fan of. So, yeah. Oh, I think I need a nap. Me too. It's you know what I. <laughs> go ahead. It's it's one of the it's one of those slow Sundays. It is. I mean, it's I, raining I, here. It's gray. I'm tired. Yeah, it's, it's it's hot in the in the podcast room. Oh yeah, all, all the uh, all the uh, podcast machines are cranking up yep. the uh, temperature oh, yeah. a few degrees. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's getting <laughs> into that time. And look, it's only April. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that. Yeah, but. I'm, we but, we do we did actually have some feedback about oh, sorry, the time yeah. machine. Go for it. Uh, uh, we had um, Tiggs Panther. Uh, ah, yeah. Who uh, had described that um, he ha- has actually used uh, Apple's time machine, which is the kind of you know back it up to a local hard drive, uh, uh-huh. um, and then you know you can do like uh, document version rollbacks and that kind of stuff and. Uh, he actually had had a, a, a instance where he had to uh, to restore data uh, from an actual time machine backup, and it did work. Um, it, it worked exactly as it was advertised. He got his data back, and it wasn't a problem. So um, apparently, this does work. I mean, I, I, I don't think we were necessarily crapping on time no, machine. No. It's just that I've... neither of us have... We Our backup solutions are so already there that we've never actually i mean i have a machine that's time time machine backup but i've always had alternate ways that things are backed up so i've never actually had to do a restore from time See, i've re- i've retrieved single files before which right which was yeah. handy especially for versioning like when you're like hmm you know and you but what did this doc look like last month yeah, yeah but i have never used it for a full restore which is what i, I think you're saying he he did yeah yeah, he had had to do a little more complete than a single file, and and it did work. So um, nice. Let's say for Apple, for Apple, that's a very good local solution. Um, we had a couple people on the Windows side suggest a couple different programs. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to check them out yet, but uh, I did appreciate the feedback on that. Like like I said, for me, I'm still using Carbonite, which uh, which is is the kind of cloud solution right. you pay us out per year and it, it does work really good although it takes forever to do that initial backup because I you're eff- effectively uploading your entire machine into the cloud so it took a while but you know my, my desktop is is very securely backed up at this point so you know I, I I think that it's always good to keep exploring these new options as they become available too because there, there was a long time where I was using like a, what was it called it was called second copy 97 wow which was a, a kind of duplication and backup solution written in the days of Windows 95. And it wow. worked all the way up through up until X, Windows XP. And I was using it for a very long time until, until I started really looking at the modern alternatives, which were obviously vastly superior. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it, sometimes you get to the point where it's, you got to kind of just keep reevaluating everything. And, you know, it's like, I know my process has worked for a long time, but is there a better way of doing things? Which is why I'm still not willing to write off Windows 8 completely. But <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's like these processes will keep changing. And, you know, we, 
unfortunately have to keep changing with them. But <laughs> how fortunately, dare things or get better. Yeah, I guess, yeah. How dare things change? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got anything to add before I go take a nap? <laughs> um, just uh, again, I've really appreciated the the. Oh uh, the yeah. Getting. Um, I, I know we don't necessarily get time to respond to every single thing that gets sent in, but um, the the feedback that we do get helps us to uh, to figure out what it is that you guys want to hear about and uh, present that to you. I'm losing my words, so you know, feel free to jump in. And I will. Me. I think I think I am going to call it for this week, and uh, we appreciate you listening and and uh, give us a call when you get a chance because we would love to play some calls next week. And uh, other than that, I think we will uh, head off to take a nap and see you next week. Yep. From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. You'll find other GWC podcasts, as well as the friendliest people in geekdom, on the GWC website and forum, galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.